Andy, my dude, have you heard of the magical website builder known as Squarespace? Ugh, not another Squarespace ad. I feel like every podcast is sponsored by them. <laughs> hey, 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 don't knock it till you try it. Yes, okay, it is overhyped. But actually, it lives up to the hype. Squarespace is like a website fairy godmother. With a click of a button, your site transforms into a beautiful masterpiece. A website fairy godmother? That sounds interesting. What makes it so magical? Well, for starters, those slick templates make anyone look like a professional web designer. Pick one, customize the colors and fonts to match your brand, and voila. Plus, the drag-and-drop fluid engine is so easy, your grandma could build a site on Squarespace. Well, she did knit me a lovely scarf last Christmas. Maybe website design is next. Exactly. And when you're ready to sell your Nana's handmade scarves online, Squarespace has built-in e-commerce. Add a store with one click. Get flexible payment options. Then watch those sales roll in. And when she wants to teach others her steezy scarf skills, Squarespace's new courses feature is just the ticket. Nana can set up her curriculum and enrollments and payments in a snap and become the next e-knitting influencer. Wow, you really sold me with the grandma angle. Sign me up for that free try. Just go to thenextreel.com slash Squarespace and transform your site into a beautiful Squarespace masterpiece. Well, thanks, Pete. Even though it's overhyped, Squarespace actually sounds perfect for Nana's site's needs. Appreciate the warning on the ads, though. I'll brace myself next time I listen to a podcast. Anytime. Let me know if you need any help getting that site up and running. Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to support our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. Welcome to Trailer Rewind. Every month we dig into the archives and view a film that Pete and Andy talked about in their trailer picks on The Mothership. JJ and I watch it and have a very spoilery conversation about it. Today, for our very special Valentine's Day episode, we're looking at The Lobster. This was Pete's pick from September 4th, 2015. Have you ever been on your own before? No, never. Your last relationship lasted how many years? Around 12. Sexual preference? Women. 
Is there a bisexual option available? No, sir, this option is no longer available. Hmm. And the dog? My brother, he was here a couple of years ago, but he didn't make it. Did you read the leaflet? Yes, I did. As you understand from your brother's experience, if you fail to fall in love with someone during your stay here, you'll turn into an animal. Have you ever danced with anybody? Yes. As an animal, you'll have a second chance to find a companion. Pete said that it looked to fit in the same vein as the Spike Jones movie Her, mm. which is a near future. Yeah, he said it's this near future sci-fi where things have some something's gone slightly different. So sort of well, taking reality, sort true. of shifting it a little. So then he re- he read the log line, and he and Andy just sort of cracked up <laughs> about <laughs> speculating about taking that into a meeting and what studio executive or investor you know what their possible responses might be to this log line uh but he said in the trailer that interview scene where david first gets to the hotel and they're they're asking him all the questions uh just was really got him hook line and sinker with the the concept of this film and and then andy sort of went off on how much he just enjoyed the names of the characters the limping man biscuit woman the lisping man nosebleed woman heartless woman mm-hmm. and they they were just both very enthusiastic about something that sounded so completely different it is so completely different that is a great way it to is. describe this movie right up in front <laughs> i've been trying to describe because oh. i've been talking about the fact that we're to people that we're going to talk about this and most people haven't seen it and i've been trying to explain <laughs> what it is and it you know it kind of sounds vaguely like the twilight zone or something you know i think it's interesting that they thought it was in the same vein as her i mean it is a near future sci-fi but other than that there's there's not a whole lot of similarity there <laughs> so Keeping with sort of the the theme of the movie, were you able to commit to a relationship with this film, or you were in danger of becoming an animal? Well, uh, I guess it depends how you define a relationship, because I think that's really what this movie's about. I really, really like this movie, Um, and I actually went out and saw it in the theater on release um, with my wife. I think that's the last movie that we saw together, which, you know, everybody should kind of get a chuckle at that you know me and my wife but um no it's uh it's i think it's a fantastic movie and it's very complex and it's such a thinking film i i i've talked about on our podcast before that the thing that i enjoy most about movies and music and all art is when i can be moved emotionally and now that's not something that necessarily happened to me in this movie um, the, this movie is really sophisticated in the way that it's devoid of emotion. And it, in a different way, it forced me to think and it forced me to challenge my beliefs. And that's why I loved it. I didn't get pushed emotionally here, but I got pushed mentally and I really liked it. So if that's a relationship, then that's something I can commit to. So how many times have you seen this? This, this is my second. So I saw it once okay. in the theater and then I, and I reviewed it for us to talk about tonight. Okay. So me too. I saw it earlier this summer, and then I just saw it again, you know, to, to prep for for tonight. And what I found was the first watch of this is, for me at least, was really challenging, and it really demands patience from the audience because it it does not go out of its way to to explain anything that's going on. Right. It just it moves along. But the second viewing, now that you know so many of the things there are scenes that just you get so much pleasure out of watching them because you understand and appreciate what's really going on in some of these scenes you you sort of understand the context or where this is going and to me that it it was enjoyable the first time because it's so different but on the second view 
it's still enjoyable, even though you 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 know a lot more to me. I think it just is a great film that is going to continually reward an audience each time you come back to it. There's so many layers to it, and I think this, there's such simplicity to it, but also such complexity to it as well. Yeah, I think the layers are really interesting that you talk about there. And the interesting thing about the two viewings, now I didn't feel differently in both times, but I can see there are probably a lot of people that are normal audience members of movies that might get that sort of confused feeling when they see it the first time. And confusion usually gets people to be cross or upset in some way. Whereas you come to it the second time, that those things that may have confused you or at least gave you the thought of like, what the heck is going on here? That you're watching it and you can take it a little bit more comically, I think. And so you can appreciate it and consider it in a different way the second time doing it. So I, I would encourage people to watch it twice too, but I, I loved it the first time. I, I really felt like it was a huge poetic metaphor for everything. And, and it's just like, it was, you talk about those layers. It was, it was like multiple, it was a candy bar. It was multiple candy bars wrapped in multiple layers for me. Cause every time I had a new revelation about what I was seeing, it was just so exciting and, and interesting to test the metaphor and try to try to play through everything in my mind about what the movie was really trying to say. So I think the best way to sort of get into this is to really look at the structure and script because I mean, it's when you, Everybody talks about this. It's they talk about the story that it's so different. Just what this, how this film works. So I think to me that it's sort of the natural place to leap in is to just start with what is this story? What do we? What is this world that we're being presented with? And uh, this film has also been nominated, Oscar nominated for best original screenplay, and it was written by the director Yorgos Lanthimos and then his writing partner, because they've collaborated on se- collaborated on several films. That and I'm gonna butcher this as well. I'm I, I, I'm not fluent in Greek. Uh, F Ephthemis Philippou. I think you did Philippou. great. I think that sounds yes. awesome. They've also uh, were nominated uh, for best foreign film, their film Dogtooth several years ago. Hmm. And then uh, which had until recently been on Netflix and had been on my list of things to see, but I had heard that it was a dark and somewhat disturbing film. So it was something that was sort of on that Netflix list of when I'm in the right mood, maybe I'll get around to watching that. Yeah. Uh, but And they also have another film called uh, Alps that I had just recently come to my attention and I forget the context exactly. Um, but it's another, I mean, hearing the, these films described, they, they seem very similar to The Lobster and it's a really different sort of story. Dogtooth is about... At least as I recall, two girls that are sort of confined to the house by their parents until they lose their dog tooth, which I, I don't know what that means. No, neither uh, do I. And then, and then Alps has to do with the grieving process, which made me think of you in sure. the discussion of, of demolition, yeah. of uh, a company that basically helps people through the grieving process by sort of recreating those situations from their life. So they will sort of role play, I guess, these people from their lives to help them through the grieving process. Weird. Yes, that's, so that's Alps. And that sounds like the whole Black Mirror thing. Have you seen the Black Mirror episode where they recreate the person based on social media? Yes. Oh, oh yes. Horrifying. Oh, yes. Horrifying. Yeah, so, so I, I should check out Alps, too. That sounds really interesting. Yes. So I think, you know, hearing though I'm interested to see his other films because they sound similar in tone, I guess, of something that's slightly off that gets you to think about things. So... I think it, apparently he's hit his stride, I think, with The Lobster. And it, this was the first, I think, English language film. So it exposed him to a, a much broader audience. But why don't you sort of just take us through sort of the basics of 
the lobster. Well, I think I think it's really interesting that they talk about the other films as dark because I, I in trying to explain it to people who haven't seen it, I, I've used the word intense. Um, I've used the word intense um, and weird and thought provoking. I think those are the words that I use to describe it. I like uh, talking about it more like it's off rather than dark because it definitely makes you feel like there's something different. So I was super captivated by this story because uh, I was really sort of in this mode that everything we're being presented with is metaphor in some way or another. And it challenged me to think about how I approach relationships and how and how I interact in my relationships and what I think is the right thing versus what I might be experiencing in life. Because I think that's really the, the, the sort of basis for the story. And it uses this sort of framing structure. So it's, it's got a, a first act where it slams you into, again, you mentioned before that they don't really have any exposition in this movie, which I am a huge fan of doing it this way. It is very much show and very little tell. And I think it does it in a way that is pretty masterful. Uh, among all movies that I've seen because it is so off that you would assume that there would need to be some level of exposition, but it does it perfectly in dialogue in what you're showing. So it smashes you into this hotel where people check in as their relationships uh, have fizzled because in this dystopian world, and maybe that's not even appropriate to call it, this sort of uh, near future sci-fi aspect, it is law that you have to have a partner to be an effective member of society. So people check into this hotel uh, where they are tasked with partnering up with someone that is has some similar quality to them. That's where you get those clever names of Biscuit Woman. <laughs> <laughs> they unfortunately didn't find anyone. They didn't find a Biscuit Man. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but the uh, but I think it's really uh, that's a really interesting thing. If you say what's your defining characteristic, that's a line that they used multiple times in the film, and you have to decide on your defining characteristic, and that is the thing that you need to pair with someone. Um, and then it goes through all these really amazing ideas and metaphors for what people will do to try and alter themselves to create that defining characteristic that will bond them with someone else. And in this world, in the world of the lobster, they have to. Because if they don't, they're turned into an animal. <laughs> in this hotel, they have a, a, a limited amount of time to do it. And I don't know, I, I don't really need to go through the synopsis. Of it. I'm just being tickled <laughs> like talking about the movie because I love the story and there's so much more to it. I mean, you have the hunters and you have the hunt and they're tranquilizing people as they turn them into animals <laughs> and these slow motion hunts. And then, uh, well, and then, you know, then you have act two where um, our main character played by Colin Farrell, David escapes from the hotel through a massive and really sort of gruesome episode, uh, escapes and then aligns himself with the fugitive single people and how they are equally as militant as the coupled up people about maintaining their singlehood. It's just, it's such an interesting thing. And then all the trappings that come with those beliefs and putting it into this really sort of tangible law structure of this futuristic, or I, I don't even think you can call it futuristic. I think it's just the, this different universe where you need to be one way or the other. I think it, I think it was just brilliant, and I and I and I loved it. What else What else would you want to talk about in terms of that? Well, I, I'd say it, what's interesting is that each of the worlds has their own sort of strict rules of how they sort of reinforce or support their worldview. Because right. even in the in the hotel where everybody is tasked with this mission of finding a partner, they're com- continuously being indoctrinated with why being a couple is better than being single. Oh, the, gosh, the, wait, the wait scenes. staff 
reenact out little scenes of what it's like for a woman to be walking down the street alone and the horrible things that happen to her versus if she's walking with a man. Right. Or if you're if you're alone eating dinner, it's very possible you can choke and die. However, if you're eating dinner with someone else, they can perform the Heimlich maneuver on you to save you. So hence the perils of being alone versus the safety life death. of being a couple. It's life yes. and death. And then in the woods where you've got sort of the loners, you know, they they have their music. They dance alone, which is why they only listen to electronic music, because you can't <laughs> dance together with someone. You have to dance alone and you, you have to go find your you, you have to dig your own grave. Yes. You, you know, you're responsible for digging your own grave. And it's it to me, the that partnership almost is a betrayal there. Yeah. You know, that the isolation is preferable um, and just the. Well, and then Contrast. the irony of it, and you think yeah. about the, oh, the, yes. the through line that they're talking about, that who we are as people as we go through the world trying to find a partner, and then we give up. David gives up. He tried. He failed miserably and gruesomely. You know, he, he lost his brother due to the woman that he chose kicking him to death. I mean, it's just... And then he... So he decides to be single, and just after he decides to be single, he finally finds the woman that's actually the perfect match for him. Yes. That, what a statement about life and done so poetically and darkly and so it's so interesting it's just it's a terribly interesting movie so that's yes that's where david meets the short-sighted woman yes who we rachel weiss rachel weiss who we discover is also the narrator right of this story because we are introduced at the very beginning there's this voiceover narration that that leads us through the first part of the film and we don't, it's this disembodied voice, it's this outside narrator, but it's not until she's introduced to us as one of the loners in the woods that we realize she is the one narrating the story. And I think the one thing that we, we glossed over is that throughout this entire film, every line of dialogue is delivered so like deadpan yeah. and devoid of emotion. Uh, it's it's from not everyone. robotic. From literally from everyone ev- in the film. Uh, yes, exactly, and it it to me it's it's comical because of just the absurdity of some of the the situation. I mean, there's so many great lines of of dialogue in this film that on their own wouldn't you know merit any notice, but just the the delivery of them. You know, when the hotel manager says, "Well, if you encounter any problems you cannot resolve yourselves, you will be assigned children." That usually helps. That usually helps. <laughs> Right, and just my, I'm watching this with my wife, and she looks at me, and she's like, "No, that never <laughs> helps." Exactly, but, but people this, do it. it. That's the but point. People, but people do that. Yes. I mean, it, but it, it, in history, it, that's always been. Yes. A, hey, oh. our relationship is failing. Why don't we try to have a kid? And that's going to make it'll us fix, totally. It'll fix yes. everything. No. So yes. So it's. Uh. That, I mean, the story. It's that social commentary, but with this deadpan delivery, which for me, as I thought about it, I don't know if it was. I'm trying to think of the function of that framing structure of having this of the narrator. deadpan aspect of it of, of the deadpan because I thought is is it and I'm probably getting way too meta with this but if I tell you a story and I'm telling you a story and I'm not a terribly good storyteller you're envisioning this in your head if I don't give you all the details it may came, come across just like what we see in this movie where you've got characters that are saying lines of dialogue, but if I don't tell you or give you any sense of the emotion, that's what you're sort of left with. Yeah. We have an emotionless narrator telling us a story devoid of emotion, which ex- may explain why everything is so... And this dialogue is so dull. clever. Yeah. 
that yes. that it features it in a way that you wouldn't expect from deadpan. I you know I hadn't I hadn't considered that that question even until right now. But you think that if they were to infuse this movie with some sort of emotion, that it it would end up like uh, what's the name of the big uh, institution in the Hunger Games movies? That it would all be those people oh. that are these caricatures, right? Is it the yeah. what is it called the the capital the capital yeah, the capi- it, they'd all be yeah. people from the capital because it's such yeah. such an odd way for them to be that it, yes. following this dialogue that if you really were emoting at the same time of it I, I don't know that you could carry it across it, it wouldn't be as good I don't think I don't think it's really features the dialogue in a way of you know I don't know this is the thing you're pointing at and it and it and it and again it's used to tell the story in a way that they don't have long speeches of exposition you're learning you're learning the rules, you're learning the mythology as they interact, and you're learning about the characters too. And I just, I think it's such a smart script for that reason. So it's it's challenging to talk about the performances then. Right. Because you, everything is so flat and deadpan, but I think it was interesting to look at, you know, Colin Farrell playing David, who is sort of just your typical 40-something, 30-something guy who's, you know, now single. He's in a relationship. We see early on his wife, I think, of the, you know, when we're first introduced to him, it's, you know, we're seeing from, we're seeing him as his wife's leaving him. Right. And I think the, and it, the question he asks is if the man she's leaving him for wears contacts or eyeglasses. Eyeglasses. So, which is Same as Yes. Uh, yes, exactly. Uh but, you know, it, so he's not your typical, you know, romantic lead. He's not an action hero. It's it's Colin Farrell sort of playing against type. He's he's oh, not he's he's not a guy where things go his way nope. in this film, uh, which I thought was an interesting choice. And I thought it just worked really well. And I think added to the humor of the film to see someone that typically plays those leading man roles to sort of. <laughs> be the victim to such violence from women right throughout the film yes you know particularly particularly the heartless woman right literally heartless woman yes Uh, oh yes i you know i think i agree and i think i i think i believed that colin farrell was underrated before i saw this movie from uh movies like in bruges and uh, a lot of things where he really does make some emotional connections i think he's seen because he's kind of he's kind of seen as a pretty boy that uh that he doesn't have depth as an actor and i i just disagree i i i loved him in this role and i do agree that he's playing against type here and he does it perfect as well as everyone else here i mean john c Riley not playing against type but does uh, does it exactly how the character needs to be done you know and and rachel weiss was great too everyone really bought in to the weight of this film in their performances because you have to to do that deadpan piece and they i I just thought it was it was perfect it it, it was it it felt like it was exactly what they wanted oh yeah and then you've got ben wishaw as the the limping man who (laughs) is sort of we have this the sort of the three amigos there at the beginning with david and the limping man and john c Riley as the lisping man is these three gentlemen that sort of bond together and you know to support each other through their quest to find partners and finally when the uh limping man uh I guess sort of betrays his uh, defining characteristic to pursue the woman who gets nosebleeds. Yes, by by continuously banging his face or head into objects to make his nosebleed. Uh, when he when he has an outburst, uh, you know, talking about you know the choices that the lisping man and David have made for their animals. Right, uh, I thought was just you know it 
it's hilarious that you know the lisping man is choosing to be a parrot right uh <laughs> So that, that, so that it can speak. So that it can speak. But I thought about that, and I was looking at him, and I, I'm like, where have I seen this actor before? And I had to look him up, because I'm like, it's a, the limping man is a really crucial, I think, role in that first part in the hotel. Everything really, you know, everything that David's doing sort of inter, intertwines with what's going on. Even when he gets over to the loners in the woods, they come back on a mission to sort of, subvert what's going on in the hotel and David asked specifically to be tasked with dealing with the limping man. Right. But I was trying to place I was trying to place Ben Wishaw and I realized he for me he's the quintessential British millennial that guy. Sure. Because I, I forgot he was Q in the new, you know, in the James Bond reboots and I'm looking at his IMDB listing and wow. he's just been in a slew of things and I go, oh yeah, I've seen that and I've seen that. He was the voice of Paddington. Uh, really? You know, he yes. So, you know, he was in Cloud Atlas. I mean, he's all over the place, I thought. But he's he just I, either he immerses himself in a role so much that I don't notice or that's just these roles where it's it's not he's not that standout lead. He really blends into that character, just a really solid character actor. Yep. Uh, and it just reminded me of someone to keep an eye on because I just I thought it was compelling performance from him. Oh, yes. What he has to do here. Yeah, no, he did a he did a fantastic job, and I I think uh, interestingly, you're reminding me of you know as he's confronted with the uh, facade that he's built to make his defining characteristic for the woman that he wants to be with. I think it's really interesting. One of my favorite things about this movie is how well they use slaps of people <laughs> to <Yes>. stop them <laughs> talking and to say. <laughs> and to end whatever sort of intent was meant by the scene, it, it it's, happens regularly and it's really well placed every time. So, uh, yeah, and he's part of that. I mean, his his portrayal of sacrifice to uh, to achieve uh, romantic partnership it was was perfect. So now that we've got those three men, we we talked about Rachel Weiss is the the short sighted woman narrator yep. who sort of. David develops a relationship with her, but we also have his first relationship, which is with the heartless woman, which, you know, David chooses to align himself with the heartless woman. She is the ruthless survivor of, you know, the hotel. Uh, when they go out on the hunt, you know, for each person they bring back, they they gain extra days on their, their time. And I think we see she, everybody starts with 45 days. She's up somewhere around 120 yeah. days by the time David's there. So she's been there a while to accrue, you know, that much excess. She adds four uh, she, at least in each hunt. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So he quickly realizes, you know, here, here's somebody that's really strong perhaps to align with her. Uh, and she's a very interesting character to see how she responds to his attempts to I guess woo her right um, when she takes a drink from the martini and swallows the olive and starts choking <laughs> and he does nothing That's... and then you realize she was testing him yep. to see if he was going to be compassionate or not and when he refuses to do anything I think we are a match then, <laughs> yes yeah 
And it just leads me to the question why. I mean, honestly, but not why for the movie, but why why do we do this to ourselves in life? <laughs> you know? Why do we yeah. think that partnering up is the most necessary thing? In this movie they're doing it because it's the law. They'll they'll be turned into an animal. And they actually explain that the reason why we turn you into an animal is so that you have a second chance to find an animal just like you. <laughs> Yes. Because what did they, what were their, their examples? Because a camel could never be with a rhinoceros or something like, I mean, just ridiculous things. So, oh, yeah. Just, yes. It, it, that, that would be absurd. That would be absurd. Yes. Of course. Of course. <laughs> but we're going to turn you into an animal because, you know, we want to give you a second chance. I just, I think it's interesting that we think why. And, and you think of these two characters, right? So you think of David and you think of the heartless woman. And even though... David is, well, David's kind of, you know, honestly just going through the motions with the mythology the whole way through, and he's learning, he's learning the mythology with us as an audience member. But you think of the heartless woman, and why does she, in addition to everyone else, feel that she needs to partner up? Because she equally does. She buys into, she doesn't need to. She's got as many days as she wants. She can keep shooting people and turning them into animals. But she, when she finds someone who is as discomfortable, discompassionate as she is, dispassionate rather, uh, you know, she says, I think we're a match and she's going for it too. Why? You know, why do we do that as humans? Why do we think we have to be in this hotel? Why do we think we're confined to it? It's just these, these kind of questions. If you like questioning your belief structure about the way we're meant to do things, this movie is so great. And, and, and that heartless woman, it was a key point in that for me. Well, and her counterpart, I think, in the loner leader in the woods, who I think is, you can ask yourself if she is just as heartless in her sort of dictatorial reign over the community in the woods of, you know, how she enforces things. And when she learns of uh, David and and the short-sighted woman's betrayal of of taking the short-sighted woman into the city to tell her she's going to have her vision fixed and then ultimately blinding her, having her blinded. Um, And then the game she plays with her (laughs) after where she basically... uses a third party to sort of fake her own death. Oh yeah. Yeah, you, uh, by having this short-sighted woman, you know, attack her with a knife and then pushing someone else in front of her. Right. So that and then and then falling to the ground alongside the woman that's dying uh so that she will think that she's dead right. and then revealing no, she's not and I'm just going to leave you here. Uh, oh. Brutal. Yes. But again in the in the name of protecting that realm of it's important that everybody is single and that that's that's the most important thing she's heartless with a cause yes yeah just just really amazing characters and just to see that there's that they are metaphors for people that exist in life but they're or actually they're caricatures right so they're caricatures of people yes. who exist in yes. life um but i've met these people who are that militant about oh, yeah. single dumb or i've and i've met these people that are that desperate about partnering up and it's so interesting such an interesting take on that whole concept um, to put it into this really sort of creative film. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a compelling story. As you said, it's going to get you to ask questions. And it, it's it's a heavy topic to think about. And the, the great thing about this film, I'm going to get into cinematography here, is as it, it gives you time to think about those things, while it's just, I think, entertaining you with just some amazing visuals. It's gorgeous. The, it, the whole thing is gorgeous. It's so well shot. And there's so much space. 
I mean, it, and that's one of the things about the deadpan dialogue too. The pic, the the pictures always create space for you to fill up with with what you're seeing visually, and the dialogue always gives you the space to insert your thoughts. I mean, it's just. It, 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 it's kind of perfect in terms of cinematography in my mind. I had so many favorite shots that I can't even, you know, pick one for this conversation. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, there's the, the slow motion sequences. The one that was the most striking to me on first view was the hunt when they're shooting the darts. Yeah. And you see those darts in slow motion just fly, sailing yes. through the air you know lodging themselves in trees or people and just that that combined with the score right of i think just you know the images and music working together just beautifully in so many moments it was over and above what was needed to show the beauty of it right so they 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 bring you into that slow-mo with that classical music and you're like oh this is great like this is kind of comic and this is really beautiful and then it just stays and it lingers and it shows the entire thing and then they shoot the darts and you see the slow-mo darts go and you see them hit and they, they they do everything the effect is complete they they're very comprehensive in the way that they approach the art of cinematography and and the art of this film altogether. We could probably just go through shot by shot oh, talking man. about the, but you know, I, I just, you know, want to get to, you know, where we need to get to next in our discussion and I keep it moving along. But I, I think that's the thing that will get people, will, will keep people viewing the film. Oh, it's yeah. just the, the beauty of this, of you, you may be confused. You may wonder where it's going, but know that you can just let the, the, the framing of the shots and the visuals just sort of wash over you and absorb this film. Let the music wash over you, which I, as I looked into it, I saw is I think almost all um, existing pieces of music. I didn't see if there was any, I couldn't find anything about it in the original com- compositions with this. I think it was all sort of pieced together from existing pieces of music. Even those just, like slamming things when it was like dun, 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 dun. Even that was pulled from somewhere. No, that had as to be as, that had to be original. But it was more an effect, really, even than music. Right? Yeah. Well, right. And I think that's. I'll, I'll dig into that. I may have to send you some some pieces of, of music. But I think that, so. There may be, yes, that may be sound effects as opposed to score. Right. But I'll 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 take a look because there's some pieces in here. I think you may may be surprised. Interesting. About okay, cool. So, um, um, you mentioned that it was nominated for original screenplay. Did it have any uh, cinematography? Probably not. It's probably not big enough to get a cinematography Oscar, is it? I I don't recall. I think the only thing it got nominated for was um, screenplay, uh, which totally deserving. It, talk talk about original. Yeah. Yes. I mean, there's nothing nothing like it. Right. Um, so we, we usually talk about first shot, last yeah. shot. And with this one, I feel like there, there's already so much going on that this film is telling us visually um, that I thought, okay, I can't imagine if there's something going on. But first shot is really interesting because it's a woman driving in the rain and she's just in profile. And this is just one long, slow shot she's driving it's raining the windshield wipers are going the car stops she gets out the camera stays in the car pans across to watch her walk slowly across the field pull out a gun and shoot a donkey yeah cut yeah that, and, and right now we should say scene. there are lots of trigger warnings for this movie if you are th- threatened or you don't want to see animals traumatized you don't want to see 
<laughs> wow, there's so many. I don't even. Yeah. <laughs> if you have a problem with needles, if you have a problem with oh, uh, with awkward Eyeballs. sexuality. I mean, oh, there's just so or toasters. I mean, there's yes. there's so much to watch out for in this movie. If you yes. need a thick skin from the front, maybe that's the deadpan reason, right? They had yes. to go deadpan maybe. because everybody would freak out. Yes. <laughs> no, I don't know, but yeah. So the donkey. So why? So if the if going with the mythology, if the donkey yeah. is a person who stayed alone, why did the woman shoot the donkey? You know, maybe it's her ex-husband that she wanted to get rid of. I don't know. But I, I I thought about that scene and I thought it's doing a couple things, at least I, I hope. I think that it's sort of establishing the tone of just how absurd this film is going to be right. with why is a woman shooting a donkey? But then as you get to understand what the this world is, what the sort of conceit is of this whole world about relationships and people becoming animals, then you're understanding, oh, it's setting up, sort of establishing some rules that there are people and there are animals and there's people that <laughs> are animals become animals and, and there's maybe some, you know, bad feelings between some of them. Uh, but it's, it's so it's, to me, it's sort of dual purpose of you're, this is going to be an unusual film, but it's also, you know, here's sort of something that may be a common occurrence in this world. Right. Right. Our last shot, our last shot, is interesting because it's sort of a suspenseful moment uh, where it's just the short-sighted woman sitting in a booth in a restaurant with traffic driving by outside the window. And that's it. And it's a very long shot. Waiting waiting for her partner to join her. You're right. She's waiting. And we're waiting to see if he comes back or... If he makes the sacrifice to be with her. (laughs) If he makes the... Yes. And And to... I, you know, I initially I didn't think these were related, but you maybe think of them as contrast, right? So the first woman is someone who was scorned by a partner or a lover who chose or who was not able to partner with her. This is my interpretation, but what was not able to partner with her, so he ended up as a donkey, and so she shoots him, right? There's that scorn. And in the second, we're talking about this extreme sacrifice to really try to make things work. So it's literally the opposite of what we've seen in the first shot, potentially, if we're objective about the relationships that they're trying to describe for us. Right. And it, it, it does leave us hanging. And if you look, if you Google search the lobster ending, there's, you know, everybody has, you know, their opinions that they've boiled it down to there's three possible ways that this could go. And they'll take their pick and try to argue, you know, how they think it's going to end is, you know, does does he just leave her? Does he go through with it? Does he return to her and say he went through with it, but because she's blind, he didn't really have to? You know, Weird. so there's all these variables. And it's like, you know, the question I to me, I think what it's really setting by not showing us that is to really challenge us and question us, have we been paying attention? Have we really learned? Do we how well do we know David? How because to me And how well do I they think, know each other? I mean, right. oh, yes, how exactly. they're going to do this and should they, you know, I, I don't know. There's just so many questions and it's great. And usually now, usually in endings like this, I love endings like this. Honestly, I mean, it's what I watch movies for. You know, that's if, if you go back and hear our Mindbender episode, like I love this stuff. You talk about Inception and the uh, the totem that's spinning. Like, did it did it fall down? Is it reality? And I love having that conversation. But I will say for this movie, I don't need to know the answer because I like considering all all the possibilities and I like asking the question even more than trying to settle on an answer which is totally different for me and that's why I really admire this movie because it 
it opened my mind to the possibility that it could be any of those things. And really the question that stuck with me most is, does it matter? And that, I don't know, it's, it's, it's really impressive that this movie was able to do that for me. Oh, I agree. Cause it's, it's not one where I feel like I have to make a decision on how I think it ends because to me, it's really more about the journey and, and getting you to think back to what do you know about these two characters right. and how much, how true is this relationship? I mean, is this David again trying to make it work like he did with the heartless woman? And, you know, I question, you know, she says she's the short sighted woman. I wonder if there's some wordplay there. Oh, it's got to be. Not not only speaking to, you know, how well she can see, but being short sighted in her decision making process. Well, and that and each of them, that's their defining characteristic. So the two of them are short sighted (laughs) and then going to make this leap into a world that they aren't. They, they can't even imagine to navigate. So, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I think, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it leaves you with something to discuss. So I think, you know, definitely a film that you sit down, you talk not only about the ending, but about everything that comes before that and what that means for these characters and for you and how it causes you to reflect on your life and to then extend into, as you said, you know, the, the multiple layers of metaphor of, you know, what, what do we take away from this and how do we implement that in our lives right. of, you know, what do we, what do we question? Because I think you, you have to look at these people just assume because, Oh, that's, you know, we're in the hotel and you've got all these things. So society says we're supposed to do these things. And you know, what are the consequences of going against that? Right. You end up an outsider, but that's got its own set of rules. So it, you know, and you're now you're bound by those. So you've got, you know, David, who's ultimately now possibly on the outside of both of those. So what does that mean for him? Does he have a place in the world for us? You know, do we have to fit in? You know, why, why do we feel compelled to make the decisions we do? There's so many things yes. to unpack in this film. And for me, I mean, for me, the takeaway is to embrace imperfection. Yes. Because there's no such yeah. thing. And I think that's, <laughs> I don't know. I think it was beautiful in the way that it described that. We could probably go on for hours. Oh, I could. I could. But, yeah, but I, I'm, but I'm I holding back I, right now. <laughs> but I think let's 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 start to wrap it up okay. here and let's uh let's talk about flick chart okay. and letterboxed. So typically we we sit down and talk about where in our own personal flick charts this film has landed, where is it placed, what's it below, what's it above, sort of contextually where is it falling. Um so I you know, I think we both really enjoyed this film. So Big time. it's it's pretty high on my list. So I'm I'm interested to see how high this one ended up on your list. It's in my top five. So I wow. and my total movies okay. are I've got 142. So it showed up as number four in my list. Now I'm going to list off my top five to give a sense of really where I am in movies. So the number one for me is Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, which kind of gets into this sort of oh yeah a, a little bit of a strange thing, right? So with the, uh, some similarities in terms of relationships, and then Fight Club and then Inception, and then The Lobster, and then number five for me is Paranorman. So um, really oh, kind of okay. an interesting way to throw there, but really, I mean, I, I just, I, I love this movie, and in a way that's different than the way I love each of those other movies, and that's why it's such a special place for me on my flick chart. So it ended up at number 13 out of 224. Okay. So, and... uh it's if I tell you what it landed between, it's just so bizarre. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to tell you that, then I'm going to broaden out a little bit so you get a, a deeper sense. So Good. it ended up j- just below the Goonies <laughs> and just 
just above Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Okay. So, so you're like, what is going on? Yeah. But if you if if I back out to like five, so ten through fifteen, number ten, Terrence Malick's Badlands. Okay. The Martian, then the Goonies, the Lobster, Rogue One, and then Room at fifteen. Oh. And so if you look at where There's Room and there. Badlands yeah. are, there it's sort of I I see some similarities there to that. Yep. So that's. That puts it for me really in at that point. I'm like in four and a half, five star range, up at the up on my letterbox with uh, with this one. For me, it's a five star film, and I, I yeah. think honestly, and it's it's more in reflection. I don't think I I came to it even this time thinking it's five stars for me, but watching it again and really for me finding it to be flawless in what I think they wanted to do and how they executed it, and then how it ranked. I, I mean, I it's it's definitely up there for me. And I think about I think uh, about on the main show when Pete and Andy are, are reviewing the the older film films and what they do sort of postscript on each one is that they they read Amazon reviews. And I can imagine what the one star or the no star reviews for Amazon are going to be about this because they're going to look at the deadpan stuff. They're going to look at it and they're 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 going to take that sort of confusion and that that what the heck is going on here thing, and it's going to be really negative for you if you don't want to be challenged and. And if you are not comfortable taking the ride with this, if you want exposition, this is not a movie for you to see. But uh, And there are going to be people that are going to trash this movie on Amazon because of that. But for me, this is exactly what I want to see the movies for. And I and I recommend everybody go see it. Now, we saw it in Amazon Prime. Is that where you saw it as well? Yes. So it's available out there. If you've got an Amazon Prime account, it's available for streaming out there. Uh, uh, I'm sure we're going to we're gonna we'll have links to where you can you know rent it or purchase it digitally from iTunes tunes and you know all of that but it is currently available to everybody on uh, amazon prime if you've got that set up awesome so yeah it's it's definitely i think um an interesting pick for valentine's day if, if it's uh maybe not a first date kind of movie but uh right i think it's it's something it it, that... it might be a last date kind of movie <laughs> i'm telling you from it, experience it, <laughs> it might be and uh and but it was great it was great for both of us actually yeah no i, I think it's uh, it's truly a unique film and I, as i said i'm Looking forward to delving into other films of his and looking to see what happens next with him. I, I've heard rumors that I think Colin Farrell signed on to whatever his next film is. Oh, wow. That's so great. I think, I, th- I think we've got a director actor that have sort of connected. And so I'm interested to see where they go next. Yep. But for us, we hear at the next reel say that when the movie ends, the conversation begins. And I've really enjoyed our talk about The Lobster. Me too. So... Now that the conversation's ending, it's time to start watching another movie. What what have you got coming up that you're going to be watching next? Well, other than our next film for the film board, which is going to be last week here in February, we're going to do Get Out, which is the new uh, Jordan Peele uh, sort of guess who's coming to dinner thriller type movie. And I'm super excited for that, uh, but am really prepared to be terrified because everything I've seen about it sounds super scary. So that's the next sort of uh, adult movie that I'm going to see. In the meantime, I am likely going to get dragged to the Lego Batman movie because ah. coming out next week and yeah it's I'm a big fan of those that franchise as well for me I'm sticking in the sci-fi realm I've got uh, half my family hasn't seen arrival oh yet, so yeah so we've two of us have the other two haven't so that's sort of one of those must-sees it's uh, now hit you know available digitally I think on blu-ray DVD soon uh, I think one of the great films from last year another you know 
film that's going to challenge you to really think yep. about things within that sci-fi setting. So that's uh, I'm looking forward to seeing that again and actually watching my wife and youngest daughter experience that one great for movie. the first time. Loved it. All right. Well, JJ, it's always been a pleasure. Yes, that's great. We'll see you next month. I love the conversations that so many of our hosts have had on their shows. Steve and JJ on Trailer Rewind, Ray and Ocean on Silver Linings, even Tommy's short-lived No, No, Wait, Hear Me Out. And so many films they've discussed started out as a book, a play, or even a TV series. Well, now you can support our whole family of podcasts by using our new Originals page to buy the original source material used to inspire films covered on our shows. Just visit thenextreel.com slash originals. Your purchases made through our links give us a small commission at no extra cost to you and allow us to keep having these fantastic conversations. It's a wonderful way to support the show. Producing these podcasts week after week require a ton of work behind the scenes. If you'd like to help support our efforts, try using our originals page when shopping for books and movies that we've covered. It's your one-stop shop for Amazon and Apple links where you can buy the book, play, video game, movie, etc. upon which the movie is based. Original material for trailer rewind movies like If Beale Street Could Talk, The Goldfinch, Aniara, or The Two Faces of January. Or Silver Linings movies like Repo Men, which was based on the repossession Mambo. Plus, by using those links to buy books, Amazon and Apple show us a little bit of love, which allows you to support our family of shows with minimal effort. Visit thenextreel.com slash originals. It's a fantastic way to support the show and find a great book to read. That's right. Head over to thenextreel.com slash originals to find your next read and get started today. Mm-hmm.